Hi, and welcome to the third installment of Egos and Burritos. Um, today's guest will be my good friend, Chris Ripple. Um, Chris and I have been good friends for a while now. Him and I actually climbed Long's Peak together uh, over the last summer. And uh, yeah, him and I have a lot of mutual friends and a lot of mutual things that we like to do. He's a huge adventure seeker and honestly one of the most charismatic and well-spoken people I know. He's super good at telling stories and he keeps conversation very, very interesting. It's really cool to spend time with them and I was really happy to catch up. So uh, yeah, in general, I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Egos and Burritos. My next guest of the podcast is another adventure seeker from Texas, Chris Ripple. Chris grew up longboarding and snowboarding and this later evolved into a passion for the outdoors. Being a native to Texas, he has always felt ostracized as if he didn't fit in being passionate about the outdoors. So he went to Colorado for university to continue his pursuit into the outdoors. During this time, he started traveling and made it to Fiji and New Zealand, where, they share, well, <laughs> where he will share a few stories from. So let's welcome Chris to Egos and Burritos. Hey man, how's it going? Cheers, Ryan. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. How are you doing on quarantine? Oh, you know, I still have my job, so that's a plus. So that, that's what most of my day is right now. Just just working from home and then I'm um, trying to stay trying to stay active while I can, you know. Have you been able to get out a bit or have you been stuck inside mostly? Um, so I'm stuck inside most of the day. Um, come my lunch break, I I do I have the I bought some dumbbells before all this hit. Luckily, I think I could probably flip these dumbbells for like two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> bought them for twenty five. Could probably flip them pretty well. Uh, Working for dumbbells is quarantine, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm so I'm uh yeah doing doing some working out during my lunch break and then um I pretty much work until um 5:30 my time here and then uh go go for a 3 mile run and um try to get outside on the weekdays and then other than that I'm playing video games and then on the weekends still trying to get out but yeah trying see, to make the most of quarantine you know yeah running's not for me I everyone's like you should start running during quarantine no I'm <laughs> people say it's enjoyable i don't see it i don't, I don't see it i don't i don't understand those people <laughs> <laughs> they're masochists they have to be <laughs> yeah i do it i don't i don't that doesn't mean i enjoy it <laughs> but it's like eating celery yeah it's corn <laughs> yeah, exactly eating your veggies got to got to i know i know well Sweet. thanks for having me again ryan appreciate it yeah, man, I'm so stoked that you hop on. I haven't done an episode in a while, so I'm stoked to finally get one out again. I've been in a lull period. <laughs> so sweet. Well, I just want to jump into kind of things on a little bit of a heavier note. Um, so you kind of mentioned that you never felt like you kind of fit into where you were born. So Texas, um, how was it like growing up in a place like that? Yeah, man. Um, you know... Growing up um, was was kind of funny in Texas. Um, so my family, my dad is from Northern California, um, and my mom is um, from like more Southern California. Um, so my family themselves are are more California um, type of people. So I grew up 
um, with a more uh, almost like California slash West Coast lifestyle um, compared to a lot of my friends. Um, and then, you know, eventually high school came around and didn't didn't quite fit in with the group. I went to a um, I went to a, a Catholic high school, a kind of smaller like private school in, in Fort Worth, Texas. And for those of those people who have not been to Fort Worth, that is where the stockyards are in Texas. Um, so it's very like kind of country, country heavy, a lot of big trucks, um, a lot of people that um, ride their horses around. Um, just to, just the overall more more country southern environment and um which i didn't mind being a part of obviously the people in texas are some of the nicest people that you'll probably ever come across in your life um some of my like greatest friends are from texas um but but growing up still um you know didn't always feel like i fit in um on top of that i i had like a couple of um you know, relationships with some girls that wasn't treated quite right. So that also contributed to just kind of feeling more like an outcast. I kind of ostracized myself from some of my friends that I grew up with too, on top of that, because, you know, at the end of the day, I almost felt like I was trying to force my interests onto some of my friends, if that makes sense. Um, Obviously, there were some friends who we're the same, we're, we're like the same, had the same type of mentality as me, where they were more um, outdoorsy and outgoing. Um, so obviously, I identified with that group pretty well. Um, but then on top of that, obviously, you had um, some of the some of the just Texas people that came into the group as well. And it felt like you were almost like forcing your interests onto them. Um, and so um, a lot of my friends that I initially had that were more, um, you know, outdoorsy, ended up moving away. And the friends that I had forced interest upon, um, we started not hanging out as much um, for, for those kind of reasons. And so um, on top of that, it's kind of my own fault uh, for ostracizing myself um, from a lot of those people. Um, but at the end of the day, not the greatest experience growing up, but you know, you make the most of, of what you're dealt with and, and the cards you're dealt. So um, I had family to fall back on, luckily, um, love my family. And then on top of that, obviously, I got to go out to um, California, Colorado, Arizona, all these cool places, all these destination places as a kid, just because that's where um, my family, that my extended family at least is. So I got to go out there and, and visit them a lot. Um, but yeah, it was always weird, you know, being in Texas and everyone's driving their big trucks around <laughs> here. You're in your Ford Fusion. You're in your dad's <laughs> old company car. <laughs> Ford Fusion driving around like I could get crushed by any of these cars. Um, <laughs> a weird experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I found I found comfort in I played soccer growing up. Um, so found comfort in, in obviously just. Um, athletics itself and I was a band geek um, up until high school Um, so so found comfort in 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 small things like that and and activities like that where um, you know I could it was pretty pretty easy to identify with other people that were doing the same thing so you know at the end of the day wasn't wasn't that bad growing up but definitely had a toll on on just 
um, my mental state. Yeah, 100%. Um, I was in Texas, uh, and obviously relationships that I had with girls just didn't help. Just really, really didn't feel like I belonged. Yeah, that's fair, man. I mean, I think I kind of briefly mentioned this in the previous podcast, was it's like so important to have a group that you identify with, that you just spend time with, um, because otherwise you just go insane. Like, those are the people you mm-hmm. fall back on when things get stressful, right? And so having a group Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One of my best friends, um, I won't mention his name, uh, one of my best friends from home, he, so me and him, very similar people. Um, every day after school, pretty much, we used to go out and, and longboard and practice all sorts of stuff, stand-up slides, bombing hills. Um, in, in terms of longboarding, we, we pretty much tried everything. Um, and we used to post all that stuff to like Twitter, stuff like that, Instagram. And yeah. man, like some of my classmates from high school would just rip on us because we would post like things like getting, getting like turns in with the bra or something like that. Like, you know, oh, like, <laughs> you, you know, like in Colorado, obviously, you yeah, would have that normally. And in California, same thing. But like, ugh, I, people used to make fun of us pretty hard um which was always i it was just kind of funny um but that friend of mine who anchor one, one of my anchors one of my good friends um had we had some issues he um did did some things with my sister without telling me that's not um, cool sometimes again, I won't mention his name um since then we've 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 reconciled but that's huge, um, that's huge. but but yeah um you know, when you th- just when you think you've got that that good friend, especially in a place like Texas where you're already feeling like an outcast, you know, some things like that. Life life throws you curveballs, you know. Yeah, so you never um, expect for real. So well, I'm super yeah, so you're able to reconcile. <laughs> Helps that anchor have that anchor back, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And I found obviously found a lot of just comfort in in outdoor activities, and I would say that that's kind of you know, why, why I am, why I am the person who I am today. So. 100%, yeah. And so you said you kind of found that comfort in the outdoors and I know you briefly mentioned that you kind of found that in high school. Was there like a trigger, like occasion or a trip that kind of triggered that passion? Um, you know, for me, I grew up, so obviously most of my extended family was in California um, and Colorado. I actually have family in Colorado up in Steamboat. And then uh, my uncle actually owns a ranch just outside of, of um, Steamboat as well. Um, so I got to go to all these cool places. And I think that just growing up and being able to visit a lot of like tourist or like destination um, kind of cities or, or um, towns or locations in general is what really, really spurred it for me. Um, being able to ski, I, I actually took ski school in Squaw, Squaw Valley, um, in California near Tahoe. And, um, not many people, you know, even get the chance to like take ski school at a young age. Um, and so I was ahead of the game. I got to go to this beautiful place called Squaw, um, <laughs> Squaw. and <laughs> Squaw. Um, and then on top of that, my grandma actually owned a uh, beach house in Laguna Beach. So um, as a little kid, I was going to Laguna Beach and just hanging out on the beach, being a delinquent, 
and um, that's where I took surfing lessons and stuff like that. So I think it was just more this exposure to this wide, wide world of beautiful places outside of Texas. Yeah. And I got to see like how much more there was to doing things outdoors, like com- and just compared to Texas, because yeah. Texas, the things you would do on the weekend is you'd go boating, and that's about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Growing up, of course, if you, I mean, if you're of age, most people are just going out and drinking, and the drinking culture is just huge in Texas. But obviously, growing up, um, wasn't of age and, and wasn't really into drink, drinking in general. Yeah, um, that's fair. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so I think, yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, I think it was um, just going, going to having, having the privilege to go to a lot of different places and just see what else the world has to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see people who, you know, spend the rest of their, like, their entire life at the same house that they grew up in, you know? Oh, yeah. And oh, my like, gosh. Oh, like, you, they just have no clue. They just, they see it on a map, obviously, and what other places are out there. But I don't think they realize the amount of opportunity. It's, yeah, it's really funny. I think, I think it's really good to get out of that comfort zone. It pushes you mm-hmm. so far and, you know, makes you want to travel. For sure. <laughs> you know, I have a word for those people. What is it? Psychopaths. Psychopaths. I'll take that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> a lot of people, knows. You know, I think I think there's I think there's a good balance. I think you either end up, you know, um, if you're especially if you're from like a small town, um, it's comfortable, you know, being there for a lot of people. So you either you either end up staying there because because that's what's comfortable to you, or you say, This isn't comfortable to me. I need to get out of here. Yeah. And so you go, you go somewhere else and you explore. And I think that there's almost like no in between. Yeah, exactly. You're either, you're either, you're either stuck and you might not, if you're one of those people, you, you probably don't feel like you're stuck, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're either for, for a person like me, it's either I'm stuck or I'm going out and I'm getting out, out of my comfort zone and trying to, trying to literally trying to get out far, as far outside of my comfort zone as I can. Cause that's, that's, that's what's enjoyable to me. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. So yeah, I know. Well, that actually transitions really well. So moving to Colorado for university, did you find that those people that, you know, were similar and like-minded to you that wanted to get out and wanted to travel? Oh my gosh. Almost immediately. Okay. That is how crazy it was. Um, when I first arrived to Regis, um, I will never forget that, like, it was move-in week, weekend, I guess. Um, and the first person I actually, like, came across, um, was a guy named Reed Franco. Don't know if you remember Reed Franco. Um, but that guy, to this day, we've kind of lost touch since then, but, um, neither of us knew each other. He was actually just standing outside of Dismet, um, and which is which is one of the dorm rooms at, at or one of the dorm halls at Regis, um, and he randomly struck up a conversation with myself and actually one of my friends from high school who went to Regis as well, um, Grant, and he was like, "Do you guys want to go to a party?" And we were like, "Well, first week of college, of course we want to go." Of course, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So. So we hop in a car with his roommate, Zach, Zach Levi, 
um, also one of one of my good friends growing uh, or throughout college. Um, we've also kind of lost touch, but um, I would still consider him one of my good friends. Um, hop into a car and we're like, I mean, you know how like the code codes were code words are for Regis parties. It's like, oh, it's at 52 and Q. Yep. Yeah. So being freshmen in college, we naturally whip out the navigator <laughs> and type in 52 and Q. And it takes us to like someplace like 15 minutes away. I don't even know where it was somewhere off the 70. And we're like, where is this party? <laughs> we're like, where are we going? This is not right. And and eventually we start texting like one of the one of the other people that read read new and eventually find our way to fifty two and Q, um, but but like immediately started making friends with people and then after that I actually met Tim Cooney, um, legend and Tim and I just started getting on getting getting like together pretty often started like becoming like just really good friends similar interests hanging up hanging out with each other in the dorms all the time. Then I met Paul. I know you know Paul. Then I met Ryan. Oh my gosh, the list goes on and on. And and, and I just within two weeks of showing up to Colorado, I had a really pretty solid like core group of friends, which is just like in, that, that's crazy to me mm. compared to like I had met better friends or some of my best friends in Colorado within two weeks than I had ever met in, in my life, which yeah, immediately, immediately like started to get along with just like-minded people. And, and, and the cool thing was about Regis is it's kind of like a melting pot. So it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of people from out of state that come. So like, you know, one of my best friends, um, Ryan Wren, who I still live with is from LA, um, Parker Meek also from, um, LA, um, a lot of people from California, a lot of people from Arizona, Carrie, Carrie Mullen from um, DC. Um, and then you've got your Colorado people too. So yeah. um, just, just immediately started getting along with, with the people that I ran into in, at Regis, which was so cool. That's awesome. So at, that, at this point, now that you had this like super core group of people, did you feel like you kind of were, you were meant to be where you were? You were oh yeah. 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 And when a lot of people ask me about my time at Regis, that's one of the things that I tell them is they're like, how did you like Regis? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I like Regis a lot. And then they're like, like, how are the people? And I was like, I met, I met my best friends at Regis. So I, I, it was, it was the best thing for me, which was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So how did it feel now that you were kind of in this really solid place and you were comfortable with your core group of people? Like, how did your did you feel better in general about life? And yeah, like, how did you feel after that? Yeah, I felt a lot better. Yeah. Just in general, I'd say like my freshman year, I felt, I felt really, really good about myself. Um, and, and where I was, um, in relation to where I had been, um, both like mentally and, and just physically Texas versus Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, not to say that I didn't still struggle with, because um, yeah. in high school I actually had some some pretty bad. I had a pretty bad case of depression, um, and was actually prescribed medication in high school, and then come to college, um, just almost like an immediate turnaround. Still struggled, but almost an immediate turnaround. It was it was. I felt like I was in like 
like you just said, I felt like I was in the right place with the right people. And if I ever needed anything, I could go to any of them and they would, you know, drop almost everything just to, to help me. And I don't think I would have gotten that in Texas. That's so awesome hearing that. I'm super glad you mm-hmm. found that, man. I mean, I feel like some people, you know, we're fortunate enough to have found that type of people who want to travel, but some people just exactly. And so, yeah, it's super awesome to hear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, some people never do. And you just, you just pray for those people, you know? Yeah. And just hope for the best that they want to get out there one day for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so since you were kind of always saying you were this, type of person who always wanted to go out and see what's next um you went to new zealand and i was curious if you could elaborate on why you chose new zealand and maybe like a story that kind of is a staple for new zealand yeah um so my reason for choosing new zealand is probably the stupidest reason you'll ever hear um but i bet it's a lot of people's reasons for going to new zealand um as a little kid i was obsessed with Lord of the Rings, obsessed with Lord of the Rings, <laughs> just loved it. Oh my God. Wish, wished I was Aragorn. So actually I wished I was Legolas. I wished I was Legolas so bad. Uh, um, and of course, and then obviously the movies come out and the movies are shot only in New Zealand. And as soon as I saw the movies, I said, I need to go there. I have to go there. And so that is my reason for choosing New Zealand actually which is super nerdy, but I'll stand by it till the day I die. Um, And own it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to be honest with you, there were actually a couple of other options when I was actually looking at studying abroad. Um, I was obviously, obviously New Zealand was my number one choice, but my second choice after that was, um, oh, it was this place near the French Alps, just gorgeous gorgeous place um so that was my second choice and then my third choice was actually somewhere in like peru or argentina or something like that um somewhere in south america uh, so i knew i wanted to be in the mountains i knew i wanted to be in the mountains um and and that was a big influencer and then on top of that um obviously taking ski school as a little kid um i fell in love with skiing um and came out to college and saw the skis that snowboarders threw down yeah, knew, <laughs> knew that knew that I needed to switch to snowboarding at that moment. At that moment. So, so, so I so I um, switched to snowboarding when I moved out here, and and just fell in love with with the idea of of shredding a massive mountain. Um, and I knew that that was something you could do in New Zealand, along with surf, um, along with just just the most beautiful landscapes you could ever imagine. Um, just green rolling hills in the North Island to some of the most dramatic looking Alps in the Southern Island. Um, and along with that, you have um, the things like the Milford Sound and Fjordland National Park where the ocean comes in and meets these huge mountains. And there's nothing more, in my mind, there's nothing more majestic than that. Um, so I knew I wanted to do the Milford track and I had actually looked into a bunch of these hikes in, in New Zealand and I just when I got the uh, news that I had been confirmed and was going to New Zealand, that was like one of the happiest days of my life. I remember calling my mom and dad and just be like, we're doing it. We're fucking doing it. We're going to the Lord of the Rings. Like, <laughs> we're going, baby. Let's go. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was, yeah. So my deciding, I mean, that was what initially had introduced me to 
the scenery and and what New Zealand has to offer was the Lord of the Rings. And after just looking into New Zealand more and more, I just fell more and more in love with it. I mean, who couldn't? It's the best of both worlds. You have the ocean and you have some of the the coolest looking mountains in the world. And, you know, on top of that, you have some of the nicest, most sociable people around you, too. Um, and it's on it, the location is also cool because you get people from Australia, you get people from Indonesia, you get people from Asia, you get people from India, and then obviously you get people from the States coming in. And then obviously all the Pacific Islands just around there in general. So it's on top of that, it's just a huge melting pot. And there's with that, there just comes so many benefits, the food, um, all the different traditions that, that go on, like the city itself of Wellington would put on all of these cultural festivals of all of these traditional dances and, and, and stuff like that, that you would never see anywhere else. So unless you were actually in those countries. So, um, yeah, in, uh, melting pot, mountains, ocean, Lord of the Rings, boom, New Zealand. <laughs> and just so everyone knows, I can testify to all those things. I'm in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck. He is correct. <laughs> the worst place. Oh my gosh, guys! The worst place to be stuck. You know, worst you place. Not want to be stuck there. <laughs> Don't ever go. <laughs> so, were you able? You said you were able to get to Fiji from New Zealand a little bit, right? Yeah. So, I, actually, the program that I was in, um, AIFS, AIFS. Um, thank you, AIFS. One of the one of the coolest programs ever. Um, they. Um, had the program had like a two week or a week long um like starting point in fiji so um flew into fiji and met with a local who was working for AFES, and um he i think he was actually affiliated affiliated with the university of the south pacific um and so we basically hung out in fiji um for like two to three days and then drove to the university of the South Pacific and took a couple classes there and then lived with a host family. Um, and that was also one of like the coolest experiences ever. Oh, nice. Could you like elaborate a little on what that was like living with a host family? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so cool. They were the nicest people ever. Um, the craziest thing actually, um, was the mom um, of this family, her husband was in the real estate industry. Um, and he was pretty, he, he had done pretty well for himself and his family. And a lot of people don't know this about Fiji, but the government in Fiji is actually pretty corrupt. And so this guy, um, her husband had actually started to, um, you know, he, he started being really successful. And so on top of that, with success, he started to gain a little bit more influence over just the general public and, and the people he was around um, in Fiji. And so he started speaking out against the corruption and actually the, the government actually threw him in jail. Um, and he, he, I can't remember how long his sentence was. It's like, it was like either a 10, 10 year long or like 20 year sentence, something, something crazy, something like so far-fetched i when she told me i was just like what are you kidding me and she was allowed to go like visit him like once a month or something like it was either once a month or like once a year something ridiculous like that but he was in he was in jail when we were there um and we we never got to meet him um oh man that's so sad so 
But on top of that, though, like, the family was just some of the most joy. They were so joyful. They were, they were some of the happiest people I've ever come across in my life. Um, and I, but what our basic like schedule was, we would wake up, obviously go to our classes at the university of South Pacific, um, and then come home and hang out with the family and just, and just talk around the dinner table, go to bed, um, do some exploring here and there. Um, but yeah, those, I, I mean, with everything that had happened to them, it was just the craziest thing to hear that story. And you would have never guessed because we didn't find out until either like the day before we left or something like that. Like it was, it was very late into our actual time in Fiji where she told us this and just would have never guessed. Cause she was the, the mom obviously was just like the happiest person in the world. And, and the daughter was so happy. I mean, they were just so full of joy and just trying to live life with the cards that they were dealt really. Um, and so it really put it into perspective, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that um, Fiji isn't, isn't a wealthy country. Let's just right. say that they're, they're not a wealthy country. Um, but the people that I met there, uh, they were some, they were probably the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Nicer than Texas people <laughs> and, I, and, and nicer than anyone I met in New Zealand. Just Wow. So selfless. So, so, so selfless. It was incredible. It really was. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. And then, um, I was going to say before we left, obviously, um, that's where we had the Lobo, which they usually only do for like really, really special occasions. Um, and we, <laughs> of course, being, being foreigners and being tourists, we're like, Oh my gosh, we gotta have one of these. We're like, please, please, can we have one? And, and she was like, Oh yeah, yeah, we could, we'll definitely do it. And so she invited all of, all of um, her like family friends over and, and, you know, they ended up doing this massive global feast for us for our last day there. It was just one of the coolest experiences. That's awesome. Could you describe this Lovo feast a little bit? Like what, what it entails and stuff like that? Like, yeah. So, um, basically what it is, is Lovo, um, with a Lovo, you basically cook everything within like an earth earth oven. Um, so you really, really get, um, the, the sense or like feel of, um, the earth giving back or something like that, like something like that. Um, so what you do is you take like chicken or like meats of choice. Um, for us, it was like chicken, um, and like pork and stuff like that. And, and you would wrap it in these like palm leaves. And then on top of that, wrap the, and then I, you would wrap foil around everything and you would dig a massive just hole. So we just dig, we, we dug a massive hole in their backyard. <laughs> um, they have like, they have these things like occasionally. So like there was a whole kind of so we dig so we dig a hole and um you start to just burn um like wood and stuff to create embers um within this like massive fire pit wrap up all this meat and then on top of that like vegetables like potatoes um yams and there were a couple of other things that um couldn't even like couldn't even tell you what the name name of them was they were so foreign to me uh, <laughs> and, and you put them into this this earth oven um, you put them there and you recover everything with dirt. Um, and then you let it sit and you let it cook. Um, and it takes forever to, 
okay. actually get all of this prepared. Like it probably took us, you know, like an hour and a half, two hours to get us prepared. They, we were out in class and she had invited like the family friends to come over and start on it. So I don't even know when they actually started this thing, but we were probably in class for like two hours, come back. They've already gotten like a pretty good head start on getting, getting the, the, the um, fire pit ready and all the food kind of prepped up and stuff like that and seasoned. And then we join in and it takes about another hour and a half to two hours just to prepare everything to start cooking. And then obviously you have to cook everything. So that takes another like three or four hours. So it's an all day event. Um, but by the end of it, and, and the greatest thing about it is that it's just quality time. I mean, it's just, it's just quality time with the people that you're with. Um, Cause it's very, I mean, you have to be paying attention until obviously things are cooking and you can kind of leave it. Um, but three or four hours, then you pull everything out. You have to uncover everything. You let it sit a little bit so that it's not super hot. And then you, you just feast. And, and feast the kings. <laughs> and you feast. Oh, it was one of the great, it was so good. Oh my gosh. You can, and you can really tell like the, the food tastes earthy but not in a sense where you would be like oh this tastes like dirt like no 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 no. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work like that it it had like this really interesting smoky flavor to it smoky earthy flavor to it and if i ever get the chance to do that again i am sign me up sign me up up. it was so good um, so but cool. really, really just quality time with, with the people that you're with, which is, I think, I think probably the most valuable part of it. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, it works out best, you know, nothing beats quality time with a good group of people over a meal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then sharing, sharing food at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Definitely. Man. Well, yeah, I'm probably going to be posting some of that description and recipe into with this podcast. So I hope that's all right. Of course, of course. Yeah, I think it's. Really I hope cool. I did it. I hope I did it justice. Uh, yeah, well, it is the. It is some of the greatest food you'll ever have in your life. I trust you, man. I totally trust you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Um, well, I was hoping to switch gears a little bit. Um, we're talking about these very valuable experiences. We were. I was hoping to kind of switch to a slightly lighter topic, and I know you do photography, so I was kind of curious some kind of what type of photography you do and some of your like more you know valuable pieces for yourself someone some pieces that you really like Mm -hmm. yeah so um i growing up i i had i never really i was never really that into photography to be honest with you or maybe i had just never like had the opportunity to get really into it um when i actually got to colorado um i bought myself a t6 um rebel a canon camera um it's basically just like the basic of the basics, um, in terms of, of a camera, um, really good starting camera and was like, I'm taking this with me to New Zealand. And so that New Zealand was what really, really sparked me to just start taking pictures of, of everything I possibly could. And, and so the, obviously most of the photography that I do is, is landscape, um, landscape photography. I, I, I would say, I've tried to do like portraits and I've tried to do other photography, other landscape, but I just, I think I suck at it. <laughs> uh, I just don't, people are like, Oh my gosh, this is so good. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, no it's not. No, it's not. Uh, 
um, so I do like landscape photography and um, New Zealand really, really was, was an easy place to start practicing because you could whip out your camera on auto settings and everything you took a picture of just looked great. Just mm. looked so good. Um, and I tr just attribute that to the landscape. Um, not so much my photography, um, but it was a good, it was a good learning point. So, um, got really into it in New Zealand. Actually, um, there was a night where we, I lived in a flat with, with probably 11 other flatmates. Um, and there was a night where we, we would leave our door unlocked. And there was a night where someone had actually broken into the house and stolen my flatmate's car. And on top of that took my camera and her laptop bag. Oh no. Um, so I was without a, I actually had some of the coolest pictures, um, that I, I think I've ever taken on that camera at the time. Um, and lost, lost them all, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but obviously after that, the real issue was like, I, I don't, don't have a camera anymore shit yeah. like, what am i gonna do so i actually ordered another camera on amazon nice. had it internationally delivered <laughs> to <laughs> new zealand <laughs> and and um just just kept going about my my business taking taking pictures and stuff like that um but i took i i brought my camera with me everywhere i went and and um i think that's what kind of sparked my love for for photography was just um taking these pictures posting them and then getting the feedback on them and, and the feedback is the feedback is just so valuable to to a photographer a lot of people don't realize that but anyone that you know comments on something or, or looks at your picture and is like that is amazing that is one of the coolest things i've ever seen that is one of the best feelings in the world as a photographer to, or one of the best things to hear as well um so after new zealand um, obviously took a, took a lot of cool pictures and some of my favorites are from New Zealand. Um, that's where I kind of learned astrophotography. One of my, my best friends, um, also named Chris, um, probably we're like the same person. Um, he taught me how to take astrophotography or how to take, uh, star pictures, um, and brought that skill and, and, and that experience with me back to Colorado. And, um, I actually just recently probably like within the past year graduated to a new camera i was gifted a canon 60d by one of my uncles who his um his son is actually a photographer and does a lot of work with um professional athletes um, okay. national geographic he lives i think i'm pretty sure he lives in like yellowstone and his photography is some of the coolest stuff i've ever seen so um, his dad gifted me with, um, a brand new Canon 60D that he oh. had actually found. Um, and so couldn't thank him enough. Yeah. Shout out, yeah. shout out Joe. Um, <laughs> and, um, since then, obviously taking my camera with, with me everywhere I go, obviously took it with us on Long's Peak when yeah, we did Long's Peak, that. but, um, forgot the SD card there, <laughs> but I have a bummer. Um, but some of my favorite pictures, um, obviously some of them are from New Zealand. Some of them are from just um, Mount Cook um, and, and that whole area. And then obviously the Milford Track was, was, you know, probably the most photogenic place I've ever been to in my life. It was gorgeous. Um, and then in Colorado, man, Chase, Chase Scott and I 
had this just suffer fest of a camping trip. Oh my God. Ridiculous. So we went to this place called Boulder Lake. It's right outside of Silverthorne, um, just north of it. On I, I think it's the Highway 6. I can't remember what, it, what highway it is exactly. Um, you drive up like 20 minutes or so, and then um, you, you park your car, hike in, and you camp along within like the Gore Range area, mm-hmm. um, which for people that don't know, that's the range that's like super visible from Vail, um, if, you're, if you're on top of Vail. Um, and looking north, yeah, north. Um, but we camp there. It's June, and it starts raining as we're camp, like hiking in. And obviously, for those people that don't know, usually when you're like backpacking or camping, you just keep going up in elevation. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> so going up in elevation, and and uh, you know the rain starts to turn to you know more like hail. <laughs> And then it starts to, starts to turn more like snow. And by the time we're at the lake, which obviously the lake, it's June. Let's not forget it's, it's yeah. June. Um, it is just just pounding snow, which is <laughs> ridiculous. And so we, we didn't come like super prepared for like a snowstorm in June. Exactly. I mean, we, we brought like cold weather equipment, but, but not like – not what we not what how we were not what we actually got um and so most of our time we set up the tents and our fingers were just like so cold by the end of setting up our tents that we had to we we sat around chase's jet boil yeah and just put our fingers over it Uh, and that was how we warmed up and and we drank and we drank drank a lot Um, you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and um it was just horrible 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 and there was a time probably at around because we probably got to the campsite around maybe like two or three o'clock p.m and we there was a time probably more around like six thirty-seven, where we were like sitting in his tent and finally we could start to hear like the snow had settled down a little bit. So we, we walk outside. It's still like kind of snowing, but not really. And we walk down to the lake. And I mean, that was just, there's these just massive mountains um, behind this lake. And, and this fog is just like rolling in. And the peaks are the only thing you can really see of these mountains. Oh. And the fog is just like rolling over the mountains. So within like two minutes, the view has completely changed to something else and you can see a different part of the mountain and the fog is covering up something else. And, um, the trees are all super green. So it just doesn't, it, none of, none of it makes sense what you're looking at. Um, the snow, the snow, like the, the mountains itself are like snow capped. Um, just ridiculous. And that, that was one of the coolest pictures I ever snapped. And I actually just reposted those pictures on Instagram. Um, we had that view for about 30 minutes and then it just snowed on us the rest of the night. Oh. And so we went back into the tent, drank more alcohol, went <laughs> to bed, woke up. It was still snowing and <laughs> packed up really quickly and walked right on out of there. So um, within our 24 hour camping trip, 30 minutes of it was the provided me with like the coolest view. One of the coolest views I've ever seen. Um, 
But other than that, it was just an absolute suffer fest. <laughs> just the the worst camping trip ever. That's, ever. How, that's how it goes sometimes, though. <laughs> like, you never oh know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing was we were supposed to go with just a massive group. We'd actually planned this out with a massive group of people. Um, <laughs> and a lot of them, obviously, were just like, yeah, let's just go camp. It's like summertime. Let's just go camp. We'd love to go camp. And we're like, oh, yeah, we know this spot. We'll go. We'll go this weekend. And everyone backed out on, like, Friday. <laughs> it's going to snow. And I texted Chase and was just like, so we still on? And Chase was like, yeah, we're still on. And Classic. And we, went, we went anyways. I love it. Just love us. It. <laughs> we're supposed to go up with, a, with, like, a group of ten. You guys could have just, like, huddled all together, warmed up. Like, <laughs> now we could have. I think that everyone else would have really not appreciated going. No, probably not. <laughs> probably, would have, probably really would have sucked even worse for Chase and I. There probably just been a lot but, of complaining, but. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's probably one of my favorite memories and one of the coolest pictures I've ever taken was, was of Boulder Lake and, and just that view that we had. That's so cool. cool man. I'll have to check so that cool. out, yeah. For everyone's Some of the... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, for whoever's listening, you guys should check out his photography. What's your – do you post your photos to Instagram? Yeah, I post all of them to Instagram, um, and my Instagram is ripples of Chris. So ripples underscore of underscore Chris. And then I also started my own um, website, and I have all the pictures posted up on my website too. Um, but, yeah, I actually got the picture that I got. I ended up getting it canvassed, and it's actually sitting out in my living room. Um, amazing. To commemorate the moment. Yeah, with the supper fest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the thirty minutes of of just glorious, glorious, gloriousness, and the rest of it was just a horrible. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, that's got to be that's got to be one of my favorite pictures for sure. Hundred percent. Well, sweet man. So unfortunately, we're kind of run out of a little bit of time. Um, is there anything that's next for you, like after this pandemic? What's your What's your plan? Yeah. Oh man. I think I would love to take a trip down to Southern Colorado. Um, I've been to the Great Sand Dunes National Park before, and I've, I've actually backpacked into the dunes and, and camped there overnight. But I think I want to do um, maybe like a four to five day um, long trip there and hit Crestone Needle and Crestone Peak and do both of those while also camping um, in the dunes. And just, I think one of the big things that I really want to knock out this summer is is probably like 10 to 15 of the more difficult 14ers mm-hmm. um do some more climbing I, I i haven't done much climbing um and you know chase chase has got me into it you i mean <laughs> for everyone that don't doesn't know ryan is is probably the greatest climber i've actually like seen like actually actually seen and, and gone climbing with he's he's incredible at climbing and um, just being with him is a little bit deflating because he's so good. And then you get up there and you're like, what did you, how <laughs> you did this with that fingertips? How, how did you do that? Um, you blush, man. You're making me blush. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. Just beautiful to watch. Thank you, man. Um, and I don't know how he trusted me. I think he led climb and let, let me belay him. And I don't know how he, how he actually trusted me to do that. But um, either way, um, Ryan and honestly, Tim Cooney, um, I, I saw he's, he was really into climbing. Um, his pictures were just so cool and obviously your pictures and then, um, and now Chase is, is climbing a lot. So, 
Um, I do most of my outdoor stuff with Chase anyway. So I'm um, trying to climb a lot this summer, trying to backpack a lot this summer. I'm um, trying to knock out a lot of 14ers this summer. And, and then come winter, I went and took that trip to Vancouver and British Columbia. And man, didn't get to really lit, like, you know, enjoy it to the, to the, you know, extent that I wanted to, because Whistler closed on us. We got we got a day of snowboarding in, and then it closed on us. So um, definitely got to get back up there. Want to do some backpacking up there, but really just want to shred yeah, um, Whistler amazing. again because just such a bummer that that all of this hit at such a unopportune time. Just not 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 fun. Not fun at all. No, uh, not fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. But that's kind of what's next for me. Yeah. That's fair. I think everyone's looking towards a little more normality. Oh, yeah. Do stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Just being able to do stuff again is, is I think, what, what we're all looking forward to. Um, and obviously, photography. I'm just going to keep pumping out pictures of, of the shit I'm doing. And um, hopefully, hopefully, people enjoy that sort of stuff. Yeah, dude. You know? I'll be checking out those photos as you post them. You posted beautiful ones already. <laughs> thanks man yeah man well chris well thank you so much for coming man um i'm gonna kind of end it there but is there any last minute things last minute thoughts um yeah no, sure um i know we're all living through a pretty crazy time right now and there's a lot of negativity everywhere we're looking right now but um i challenge you all to stay positive and you know get up get out while you can do the things that you can do still um, go for a walk, go for a run. Um, don't let, don't let this pandemic get you down. Um, there's still a lot of life to be, to be lived and, um, just live life to the fullest. Take, take advantage of, of where you are in life right now. And even if there's a lot of negativity around you, um, you can still, you can still make, make positive out of it. So live on. <laughs> that, Chris. Cheers. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Really yeah, appreciate man. it.